Well, 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 welcome to the mayhem Dick and Lloyd mayhem Media mayhem Market in a mayhem You might love it, you might hate it It's my favorite freaking show Hey, welcome in. Dick Wilson and Loy Edge back with you with more mayhem from the media and marketing world based out of Kansas City and places beyond. Today we talk with voiceover artist Jim Birdsall, who is a national voiceover artist based out of the Kansas City area. You've heard him on the Hallmark Hall of Fame, NFL Films, CNBC Network, all over the place. He's got some great stories about doing the business of talking out of a little booth to people all over the world. We're glad to... Uh, hang on a minute. Uh, yes, uh, hello? Hey, champ, it's Buzz Martini. Oh, Buzz, yeah, the sales guy for our podcast. Uh, where are you? Ah, yeah, I'm on the Ecliptic Lifting Health Club. No. Oh, Actually, at a new health club. Uh, new? How come? Well, I... Yeah? What happened? I don't know. A couple weeks ago, I was uh, yeah. coming in to work out, okay. and uh, yeah. very nice gal pulls up. Uh, Uh-oh. Okay. Uh, As I'm coming to the club, she's got a Jeep. It was uh, oh, yeah. It was very nice. She had a, you know, I'm a bicycle guy. I'm always wearing the bicycle pants, you know. Oh, yeah. And, uh, well, she had a... Mm-hmm. Uh, a Jeep with it. It had the, the Yakima bicycle holder on the back. Oh, those are good, yeah. And I gave paid her a nice compliment. I okay. told her I was impressed with her rack. And Wait a minute. The next thing I know, I'm getting a letter in the mail Wait inviting me to, Wait a minute. to join a different fitness club. So here oh, I am. Oh, boy. Oh, goodbye. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Anyway, hey, listen, champ, I got some good news. I, oh, fine. I finally got somebody to... Uh, yeah. To help underwrite this uh, podcast. Cool. I like that. It's not advertising per se. Underwrite. It's uh, product placement. Oh. Yeah, I think the listeners, uh, you know, uh, they won't mind. They, they probably won't notice. But you just got to work these products into the podcast somehow. It's oh. some opportunity. Okay. Sometime during the show. I think it's no big deal. You that. just work it in. Well, what are they? What? Well, we got to. It's some. Health products. We got a yeah. We got some hammer toe pads, uh, <laughs> stool softener, <laughs> Wait a uh, an eye wash for dry socket. Oh god. Uh, some eczema ointment. How are we gonna do this? And some hemorrhoidal suppositories. Oh, wonderful. Good. Thank you. Yeah, just work it in. Oh, okay. Gee. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Yes. All right. Hey, Loy, I tell you what, let's get busy here because we got a busy guy that needs to do some things here. Oh, yeah. We're in a busy place here. Jim Birdsall's studio. Jim Birdsall, the second floor of what used to be Soundtrack. That's right. That's something. Hey, good to see you. Yes, and you. You know, uh, Loy and I, Loy more than I probably, we all kind of uh, dabble in voiceover, but we're speaking to the godfather of voiceover That's here right. in the city right now. <laughs> the man who came to town and made it happen. Yeah, so. I think a lot of the people listening are going to recognize this voice when they hear it. All right, uh, well, let's do this, Depends Jim. on what time of the day you're talking <laughs> Well, about. that's true, yes. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about what you've done and what you're doing now, because I've got a long list of all the network stuff and things like that. What do you remember that you've done? Oh, my gosh. I don't think I can remember all of it. I know what, I, <laughs> right, I know what I'm doing here. now. <laughs> let me throw a few out there. You tell me if it's still up and if and any members you have. Uh, CNBC Network. Yes, I'm still the uh, the primary voice of CNBC. Are you okay? That's Worldwide. Good. Now more than ever, stay with CNBC. First in business. Good, good, good. The Hallmark Hall of Fame. Now Hallmark Hall of Fame finally stopped. A couple years ago, I did it for 25 years. Yeah, I was the did, voice yes. of the Hallmark Hall of Fame. Welcome to tonight's presentation of the Hallmark Hall of Fame. Crossroads, a story of forgiveness. Very cool, yes. Huh? NFL films. Still doing NFL films. From plays that go bad to mascots gone wild. I would like to do that. Clever handshakes and not-so-peppy pep talks. Here's our line we're facing today. This is the most super fantastic Follies of the year. What's the last team you did one on? Do you remember? Well, the Kansas City Chiefs highlights. I did, did them okay. a couple weeks. 
a month ago. Inside NASCAR. No, that's no longer a show any longer, but I did that for uh, two or three years. If you went to the NASCAR Hall of Fame, uh, you would hear me in, oh, half a dozen kiosks throughout the place. Okay, all right, (laughs) cool, cool. And uh, WSM, home of the Grand Old Opry. I used to do those. Uh, I just ended a a series of stuff with the, the WSM people here about... Two months ago, did you really? Yeah, which was a uh, a podcast of sorts. I was doing the radio for about seven or eight years, mm-hmm. and then that stopped. You know that it, there's so much flux within radio and yeah, TV, as sure. you very well know. But it comes and goes. It sure does. What are you up to now? Anything new that we don't know about yet? <laughs> I, I do a lot of college uh, football now. I've been uh, uh, narrating a, a a weekly show on the SEC network. Okay. which is Southeastern Conference, yeah. uh, for football. And uh, that's a weekly show. There's 14 teams. So they highlight a, a, a team every week and then championship games, and et cetera. And then there's a short break, and then I do basketball okay. for the SEC. And also uh, softball, uh, baseball. And, 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 and what is your secret for keeping away from a cold? In your voice. Uh, well, there's no secret. No. You, you, as you very well know, you catch a cold in our industry and everyone says, man, you sound great. Oh, you oh. sound wonderful. Because, of course, and then. Especially and with those birdsall pipes. He, and, there you go, I've yes. got to tell a story here oh, pretty oh, soon. Oh, okay. that, right, yeah. At any rate, you build a, build a donut, as you well know. A donut yeah. is a, a, you leave a hole in the middle to fill in later in a piece of copy and. If you do it when you have a cold and then you try to match it when you're all of a sudden healed, just it doesn't work. doesn't happen. Well, uh, we're very proud of the work you've done here. You're a, a good part of this city and, and what we offer to people around the country. Now, let's get to the mayhem part of the program. I'll turn that over to Loy. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I do have one of those. Well, oh, it yeah. scares the hell out of me uh, when you start telling stories. <laughs> it's How about- do you guys know each other? Well, he oh, was a sound alike. <laughs> okay. yeah. 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 He, he would do uh the honda was it a honda thing when you oh and i was doing do, uh, doing the uh, lounge singer right the lounge the, singer yeah, yeah. Uh, i was frank Ancona's lounge singer that's it uh, oh in sure. the service lounge right that campaign ran forever that was mike Fasoni's <laughs> camp idea and and so people would say to Birdsaw, were you doing some weird character? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think a lot of people are familiar with your work in theater here in town. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I came here originally uh, to work in Missouri Rep for Pat McElrath. Mm-hmm. And uh, throughout the 80s and early 90s, I did about 50 shows at uh, Missouri Repertory Theater at the time. Uh, through uh, Pat McElrath's tenure and then George Keithley, who was the artistic director after sure, she yeah. uh, retired. So I, that, that's basically how I got here. And then I, I started doing some voice work on the side, as most actors try to do, just to make a little extra cash. Because mm-hmm. even though you're uh, working at the best and biggest theater in the city, you're still making no money. Yeah, You know, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's the curse of the arts. And uh, I remember when I... Got my uh, my earnings statement from AFTRA and SAG telling me how much I had earned the past year, and I I didn't remember really doing that much, mm-hmm. but I knew I was working eight hours a day at the theater. Yeah, <laughs> and then I looked at my earnings statement. And I went, wait a minute. <laughs> the balance of time versus this is, money. This is, this is not working. <laughs> this is not working out at all. And so I uh, I actually. At that time, didn't even have a voice tape. Yeah. I didn't even have a demo. I was just working on producers in the city who were saying, well, we got this guy and yeah. use him. And and there was a lot of ad work going uh, During on those Kansas days, as, was, as Dick yeah. will attest, this was a uh, Bernstein Rain, a Valentine mm-hmm. Radford at the time. Uh, and it was all, they didn't have to get on a plane and go record no, somebody elsewhere no. like you do now where you can take anybody mm-hmm. anywhere on the internet. And, oh, yeah. And get the voice. They was all... Kansas City voices that were working and using. Well, Dick and, Guthrie yeah. uh, was uh, the premier voice in the city, mm-hmm. and he was the voice of Walmart from the onset of Walmart, yeah. from the very beginning, mm-hmm. with uh, Sam Walton and, and and the family. Yeah, he was their voice, and I uh, I thought I was such a uh, 
you know, I'm a classically trained actor, you know, mm-hmm. I can yeah. do anything. Yeah. Well, I thought I was just uh, the best. And I finally got booked for a Walmart session playing the father in a Father's Day commercial with this and a 12-year-old boy that was playing my son and Dick doing the, the announce. So the three of us are in. In fact, it was in Soundtrack downstairs. Oh, okay, sure. And Skip Rain was producing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of puffed up. I'm thinking I'm something. Dick has 20 seconds worth of copy. I have, I think, two lines like, well, son, what do you think? Something yeah. something innocuous like that. And, okay, take one. Dick nails his 20 seconds, just like that. Kid nails his part, I mess up. <laughs> it went on like this. <laughs> I am starting to get really embarrassed, and I'm being stunned by this man that I really don't know with this great set of pipes just nailing it one after another just yeah. every take finally he's starting to look at me like come on you know <laughs> yeah. i've got places I've got, to go i've got places to go. i've got seven or eight more <laughs> yeah. commercials to do today and you're holding up the show wow and so i went home that day i'll never forget i went home and i started practicing i'd sit down with copy from magazines print copy and I would read it at different tempos, at different voices, at different characters, because what I did in the theater and how I always was hired was I was a character actor. So mm-hmm. I was constantly changing my voice, changing accents, changing moods, changing tempo, pitching. Yeah. You know, so I was used to doing that, but I'd never really concentrated on, as you know, it's, the trick is you're working with time mm-hmm. all the time. It's right. time. And you're not trying shave to shave a half second off that. Shave a half second yeah. off that. Put it, add another mm-hmm. third on that. And you're yeah. playing it so that you're still sounding natural. Mm-hmm. You're still yeah. talking to a human being on the other end because there's only one person listening. Yeah. And yeah. they're in their car or they're at home or wherever they are. Sure. Or yeah. sitting in front of the TV. It was eye opening to me as I worked with myself. And then from that day on, every day I would practice. My wife would tease me. She'd. You know, I'm sitting in the toilet, you know, reading a magazine out loud. You know, <laughs> she's going, oh, my God, will you just stop? <laughs> and, and she's thankful that you didn't. Yes, I'm sure. Really. <laughs> yes, very much so. That's cool. Uh, talk to me about your daughters uh, a little bit. I know uh, uh, they're very talented, very yeah, oh, singers. Well, and, and, and my son as people. well. Uh, they, yes. uh, they all three are unfortunately blessed with a lot of creativity and my wife and I met in a, on a USO tour in Europe. Mm-hmm. So we were both performers. This is right after I got out of uh, Vietnam. I'd been out of Vietnam for about a year, mm-hmm. three years. And my wife and I are, at any rate, we're touring there. So she's a, a singer, a dancer, and, uh, and a musician mm-hmm. as well. And uh, so, unfortunately, we, we blended those genes and created a bunch of singers and, <laughs> and dancers who, who obviously, you know, aren't as your children are <laughs> suffering in the arts and working, yes, their, exactly, yes. working uh-huh. their butts off and making no money. <laughs> but uh, they make enough to get by. And uh, I guess that's, that's really the, the key in the arts. My daughter Megan is, uh, is a pretty noted uh, jazz singer in the city. I'm a little jazz bird and I'm telling you to be one too. And she also has a uh, dance and uh, theater uh, school out in Blue Springs called Monarch okay. Dance uh, Academy and cool. uh, Arts Academy, mm-hmm. where they work with theater uh, as well as music and primarily dance. Mm-hmm. She's because a very she, good entertainer. She's and she's quite a, great, a vocalist. Yeah, and she's a great vocalist. But she also, uh, you know, she had won the National Shakespeare Contest at uh, Lincoln Center when she was 17. Wow. And uh, and then uh, was offered uh, Juilliard, but Juilliard only uh, you could do acting or you could do dance. Okay. No combo thing. No combos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she went to the Boston Conservatory and auditioned, which is a uh, kind of a musical theater factory. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of that little place is that it happens to be share space with the Berkeley School of of music, which is the jazz school. Mm-hmm. They actually share space. And so she's doing that at the same time 
working with these all these jazz cool. players, these young jazz players, and so hmm. she kind cool. of <laughs> sidled over to them, and then came back to Kansas City and working with different players. You know, it's mm-hmm. you got to prove yourself. So that's what Megan did, and she's still doing that, not as much as she used to, because the Dance Academy, of course, takes a great deal of time. Uh, my daughter Rhiannon uh, went to uh, the Kansas City Art Institute, okay. got her degree there mm-hmm. as a painter and, uh, and an artist, mm-hmm. but all the time singing every night at different clubs and different places with duos and trios, etc. So she uh, continued singing pop. And then uh, she's now out in Los Angeles working as voiceover artist, mm-hmm. uh, uh, dubbing right now and doing ADRs for uh, different actresses, you know, sound-alikes when they have to okay. plug in for an actress that doesn't want to show up for their sure. their dubbing session. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they find sound-alikes to do it. And, and also doing ad work, of course. Yeah, yeah. And that's what she's doing out there. My son, Cameron, is a kind of popular DJ here in the city. He got his degree in uh, always, you know, a, a great degree to have to make money English lit at KU. Okay, yes. Uh, they're, <laughs> yeah, they, they're lining up for jobs. They're very much yeah. needed. Yeah, in, <laughs> well, he can write and read better than anyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he's a, a, a DJ and uh, in the city here. And he and his partner, John, uh, have been doing something for the last four or five years called Ass Jams, which are these great big shows that they would have out in Lawrence. You know, pack them in all night long. And Sounds like a place for uh, Birdsall and Edge to uh, show up one night. Yeah, yeah well, it's, it gets a little late. Yikes. They don't really get going until late. You know? <laughs> okay. And all that heavy music. We're more into that kind of easy listening. Uh, gotcha, yeah. yeah. Sinatra and uh, stuff ah, like okay. that. We, we're probably uh, relegated to day drinking now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really got to get to bed early. Yeah, done by seven. It's 11.30. Where's the bar? <laughs> <laughs> Was this a... Uh, this curse of the arts was this in your family before you, or did Not you bring really. this I, curse I grew upon up in, your family? Uh, I grew up in a town of 150 people out in the western part of North Dakota, a town called Gladstone. It's like Gladstone, Missouri. Okay. This is Gladstone, mm-hmm. North Dakota. My dad uh, ran the grain elevator there. I have five brothers and sisters that are older than I, and uh, I'm the baby of the family. I, I just started playing the piano when I was young. I mean, my, my sisters all played. By the time I was 15, I was in a rock band touring North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Canada. What, did you have a Farfisi organ? I or? sure did. It was you know, my first one was a Farfisa. Was it? Okay. Then, <laughs> then I got a Vox. Oh, there you go. Your Vox. And then yeah. I moved on up to a Hammond. Oh, my. Okay. And then uh, I did that for about 12 years. Wow. I played in bass. You and Felix Cavallari, huh? But that's uh, <laughs> well, that saved my life in Vietnam because I went to be I got drafted. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I was uh, smart enough to uh, become infantry. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. so I was in the infantry for three months. And then my unit uh, stood down. And uh, in the interim, when I was being assigned to another uh, uh, unit on the 101st Airborne Division, I was at the uh, in Fubai at the administration center where they have all your records and they kind of move you around. And I heard I had been playing the piano for the uh, sergeant major that ran that uh, that uh, Fubai every night. Okay. At the club during those days, I could play anything because I'd been doing it since I was seven years old, mm-hmm. and been playing clubs and bars, etc. So you know, I'm just playing down there, and uh, that that night, after about three nights, I was I was pretty tuned up. You know, they serve liquor there. Okay. Know, so. <laughs> what a man. And uh, I, I kind of wandered over and I heard a band playing. And amazingly, they were playing uh, Purple Haze. Okay. And I knew it was Americans playing because the pronunciation mm-hmm. of the words, etc. I could just tell it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vietnamese bands would, uh, would learn songs by rote. Uh, okay. They wouldn't necessarily understand the words, but they, they were very good. And so I wandered over this band shell, and here are these GIs playing. 
I was stunned. I'd never seen a GIs playing in a rock band, and, you know, and, and they didn't have a keyboard player. And, of course, I staggered up to the stage saying, hey, I can play the piano, <laughs> you know. And they said, well, sure, you, if you can come out to Camp Eagle and audition. Well, Camp Eagle's 30 miles away, uh -huh. you know. <laughs> you, you don't, like, just pop on pop over. Pop the car and head on through Vietnam. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, hold my rifle. <laughs> yeah. Here, hold this. <laughs> well, they didn't know, is that I, I did know the the uh, top sergeant at the, uh, at the place, and uh, I went to him bright and early in the morning. And I said, hey, Top, I can, uh, I can audition for the band if I can get to Camp Iglesias. That convoy's going there right now, jump in the back. Ah, okay. And I jumped in the back of that truck, showed up, and scared the bejesus out of them, I found out later. Because a grunt, these are, these are bandsmen. You know, they have their names on their okay. uniforms, and they're starched up, and their shoes are shined, and yeah. et cetera. I'm wearing grunt clothes that I've had for maybe a week and a half that haven't been washed. There's, mm. there's no name tag on anything. The least sleeves have been cut off. Long hair. I've got beads and crap all over me. and <laughs> I'm carrying a weapon. <laughs> you know, it's just, I walk in, I said, here I am, I'm ready to audition. And they went, okay, here's a, here's a keyboard. So I, well, they found out that, yeah, I could play and, and they had lost their lead singer so and I could sing. So I was... Cool. So I got into the 101st Airborne Rock Band for the last uh, last uh, eight months of my tour of duty done. there. Wow. And, and then I entertained troops for the rest of the time. That may have saved your bacon somewhat. Oh, you think? <laughs> so the mess, the uh, the lesson there is learn how to play the piano. You bet. Yes. Uh -huh. The arts. It might save your life. It might save your life. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. In my wow. case, it did. Cool. Wow. Man. Well, we're sure glad you're here. Yeah, me too. <laughs> One thing I don't remember you did uh, here, what was this, uh, 4th of July? Uh, Memorial Day. Memorial Day. Yeah, yeah down celebration at the, at the station. You were a, a, the a narrator there on stage, saw yeah, that on I've uh, done Channel that 19. For, I've done that for the last uh, five years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's something I, I'm well, I'm honored to do. Uh, it's, it is it is for the troops. It is for those who have served and mm -hmm. are still serving. And it's important to me particularly for veterans that are coming back uh, from uh, from the uh, Middle East and, and Afghanistan that are, you know, it's it's rough. People forget the effect that war has on, on any soldier or sailor or airman. I mean, it is a, it's, it's tragic what, what happens to some of them and many of them. I, I myself, even uh, after years of uh, being kind of strange at different times, my wife finally convinced me to go in, and I, I spent six years in analysis just for myself, mm -hmm. and it was it was a good uh, 15, 20 years after I had served. Deeply well, it suppressed. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Uh, PTSD is just mm -hmm. it just it hangs in you, and it doesn't really leave. And and we who haven't been touched by that sometimes wonder. Well, what is this? I yeah. mean, what happened to you? What what's going on? Yeah. I mean, well, if you know, they just, they it, those who have been have suffered uh, assaults, mm -hmm. um, have suffered uh, uh, women who have been raped. I mm -hmm. mean, if you've ever been in a, a horrible fight, if you've been uh, those who would uh, back in the uh, in the eighties when the, the Hyatt uh, mm -hmm. collapsed, sure. mm -hmm. you talked to the uh, survivors there, and they all had PTSD yeah. from it. Yeah. I mean, anytime you're in a situation that pushes that adrenaline to a level that is beyond you, and and you're experiencing a situation, even though you're trained, even though you have gone in, for servicemen who have been trained and deal with it. It's still the 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 after effects, not while it's happening, not while it's happening. Mm -hmm. It's it's back when you're finally at home. Yeah, and then you're 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 safe. Mm -hmm. but sure. It then it then it shows up. Wow. Yeah. Because of what it does to your wiring. Yeah. Yeah. And it it changes everything. It's that fight or flight. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And it, and it hits you. I used to have uh, special moments where I'd. Be wandering around the house in the middle of the night, 
convinced that there's people out there well, in the yeah. backyard. Okay. <laughs> I don't yeah. even have a weapon. I don't keep a weapon in my home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing. I don't. I don't even want one. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, what a strange thing to be talking about. Well, no, it's, it's <laughs> right. we're here to find out. Wait a minute, I used to do Walmart. And I was the voice of, of yes. I was the original voice of Blockbuster Video for many, many there years. You go. I remember yeah. that. I did a, a Walmart uh, after uh, Dick left. I was the voice of Walmart oh, for yeah. a long yeah, time. Sure. Yeah. Let's see what else I've done. I've done. I remember tons. one. I bu- <laughs> I booked in a uh, or I was on hold for a deal. And I had I was leaving L.A. to come back to Kansas City. Uh, CC's Pizza. That's right. And they said, "Well, Loy, you're on hold for this." And I said, "But I got to go back to Kansas City, so I'm going to have to record it somewhere <coughs> in Kansas City." I called Jim, and said, "Jim, I, th- I think I called you and said, hey, I- I'm going to need to record this client if I get it.'" And and by the time I got out here, they had changed their mind. They selected another voice to do their campaign. It was Birdsaw. Oh, was it? Okay. <laughs> that thing ran for a few years, too. Oh, yeah, for two or three years. Oh, two my yeah, it was a, it was Radio a good and one. TV, it was a great gig. Oh, it really yeah. was. It was a great gig. Man, wow. I hate you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, can, I uh, audition to this day. Uh, Dick, you will know this. I mean, you, in the voice business, you're always auditioning. You're just auditioning. You know, you're just throwing it out there. You're like a no so, feedback. And you, you have never no know. idea. You never know if you was were I close the second or choice yeah. or was I? Yeah. Or yeah. did they throw it away and go, God, that sucks. Yeah, really. And you have no idea. No so it's just like selling encyclopedias. Yeah. So, you know, you might get <laughs> yeah. lucky. You know, that's about it. Hey, Dick, let's go down and get a drink, man. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Birdsaw just ran down the hall. Maybe he's recording a, a commercial for Acme Hammer Toe Pads. Hey, look, it, it's Leon. Music maestro, please. All the folks at the city hall tell us that we're getting so dang close. To being better than Cincinnati, Cleveland, or Milwaukee, I suppose. Now it used to be bigger than Dallas, back when Kennedy was president. And we'll be littler than Denver, Colorado, till every dollar's spent. Somebody's gonna pay for Kansas City, gonna have to pay to make it great. Not you, not me, but the man behind the tree, so brother, just you wait. We're gonna have a brand new airport, shiny as a silver spoon, and a streetcar made of solid gold, gonna take us to the moon. We got a Negro Leagues and a jazz museum, both one of a kind. On a plywood cutout boulevard that's propped up from behind. We got a nightlife area that's all unique where you can grab a tax abated beer. And it's not like the other ones in every other town cause it happens to be here. And now we're gonna have a grand hotel so folks will have a place to sleep. They can lay their heads on tax-free beds and count the local sheep. We need a star barn and a tiff deal and an enterprise zone to boot. And if that don't fix our wagon, we'll just vote ourselves more loot. Well, who's gonna pay for Kansas City? It ain't cheap to be so great. Not you, not me, but the man behind the tree. So brother, just you wait. Okay, Birdsell's back from that recording session. You got together with a bunch of other talented voice people and yeah. oh, started Voices Inc. Your yeah. own, uh, yeah, John Jessup here. and I, and and uh, Roberta Solomon, uh, uh, Max, Graham, Max Graham, Drew Dimmel, mm-hmm. um, gee, uh, some great folks. Merle Moore's. Uh, yeah, the, outside uh, the, the there, posters I, on I, the I wall. A, I saw a, that. Yeah, a poster on the wall. <laughs> yeah, there were the uh, Gary Neal Johnson. Um, mm. That's uh, Star Anderson. Oh yes, yeah, Star um, too. Uh, Janine Hutchins um, was Rick in there. Tamlin and Rick Tamlin. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. 
but we had a, we had a great group. Well, I didn't and, know you had that many. Yeah, and and what what, what happened was uh, well, they were the first level. Then they opened it up to the rest of us plebes in town to join in with them. So well, that was when I left. Yeah, okay. No, it really was. Was uh, it okay? Uh, well, I was the. It was set up as a co-op. Yeah. It was a totally socialist sort of thing, which mm-hmm. was good. Basically, we hired a person to answer the phone and uh, and and uh, write down the booking and then we would charge 10% for voices mm-hmm. uh, right. for the company and basically you were served you're served by basis on how much work you do i mean you're going to get it doesn't matter it all goes into mm-hmm. one pot okay gotcha and then that pays for promotions and the office and the phone and and the the end of year party which was always great and that's what it was yeah. it was it was uh, set up that way and voices uh, and still continues today. Yeah, voices and continues I today. Them, so yeah, uh, right. But Vicky, uh, but no. voices, yeah. Vicky Evans, I mean, she mm-hmm. was uh, she was uh, our our first uh, telephone person. And when uh, was that? Do you remember? Yeah, eighty six. And I left ninety eight. I think it was. Yeah, okay. because I once I started with CNBC. William Morris got a hold of me and. And uh, said we want to. Uh, I was going to ask you which was the job that set you out on a national basis. That was it. That was that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, a producer here in the city, Race Denton was his name, and I believe he's still he's back in Kansas City now, and he produces uh, videos. That's a great name. Uh, and he's a great <laughs> guy too. And he did a, a an industrial for Payless Cashways at the time because I was doing I was the voice of Payless Cashways, uh, which was national mm-hmm. all over sure. the world. And so we, he disappeared. I didn't know where he went. And uh, one day I'm sitting in the voices office, which was right next door. And uh, the phone rang. It was Race. And he said, Jim, I said, well, what are you doing, Race? I haven't seen you in a long time. He says, well, I'm the new vice president of promotions for CNBC. And we're looking for a new voice. And he says, and I thought, you know, they, they keep coming up with these different people. And you have such a wide variety of things you can do. Could, you want to send a, 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 your your a demo uh, to us just so we can take a listen to that? And so, I can, you know, I'll, I'll present it to them. Send it. The next day they were they hired me. Wow. <laughs> the next day okay. they hired me uh, for not much money. I didn't have an agent. I thought it was a pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I started doing it. I was changing my demo tape downstairs with, uh, with Ron Ubel, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. And the phone rings. Uh, the girl who was answering the phone comes and says, Jim, there's a phone call for you uh, out there. And I said, well, I'm, I'm busy right now. She said, it's William Morris Agency in New York. I said, oh, come on. She said, no. I pick up the phone. I said, okay, who the fuck is this? <laughs> and, and it says, well, this is, this is Mark Gus from uh, William Morris Agency. I said, come on. He said, no, no, really. No, really it is. He says, I said, really? <laughs> and so the conversation went like that. He says, well, he says, well we were wondering if, uh, if you were represented by anyone right now. I said, well, basically represented by myself. He said, really? He says, well, could you send us a demo tape so we could listen? Maybe we could work together. So I send off the demo tape to them. The next day I get a phone call from William Morris saying, First of all, we want to represent you. And second of all, let me tell you this. I checked with the West Coast. The West Coast thought you were an East Coast talent. We all thought you were a West Coast talent. We know all your work because of Blockbuster and Walmart, etc. Where have you been? <laughs> I said, Kansas City. He says, well, we'd like to represent you. So I, I said, fine. So I send him my contract for <laughs> CNBC. He says, <laughs> I get a phone call. He says, Oh, this won't do. Uh-huh. <laughs> this, <laughs> this won't do at all. <laughs> she says, we'll have to work this out the next time it comes up. <laughs> and uh, and I have been blessed to work with CNBC ever since. And they are a great group of people to work with. I have incredibly talented uh, writers and uh, and producers there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and really good people. Uh, and some of the smartest people I've ever known. I mean, you can't do the business uh, stuff without having a serious brain on you. You just can't. I mean, these are smarties. And um, well, it's been a great client. So, yeah. How, how many years for you? Twenty. 
And then, so with William Morris, you're 18? Yeah, tw 20 years. 20 years? Yeah. Got two on me there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went out there in 2000. Yeah. That's great. Very cool. Well, we're in the room with a couple of great voiceover people and another one who sh takes a shot at it. Every oh, now right. Then, so. Come right, on. Dick. Give me a break, <laughs> yeah. Dick. Jesus, you've been the king around here for years and years and years and years. That's right. Everybody knows. Everybody yeah. knows you. The, the people like Loy and I are, I mean, granted, you guys came up to my studio here. I never see anybody. I'll bet not. I don't. Well, that's because people like you ha can't go out in public without getting swamped by people who want autographs. That's right. Yeah, right. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> they don't yes. even know who I am. Are you kidding? That's the beauty of it. I, mean, I know. It. it is the beauty of it. No one even knows who I am. They don't know what I do. I sit, uh, I'm alone all day long. Everything I do is is for people on, uh, not Elsewhere. here. Elsewhere, yes. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah. you know, many of them I know on my earphones. You know? mm -hmm. And amazingly, you know, when I somebody asks me what I do, I say, well, I'm an announcer. You know, like when I buy a car or something you know, but you know they're asking you what what do you do for that i'm mm -hmm. an announcer oh well, you, what radio station I, well, none uh, yeah tv uh -huh. no i yeah, yeah, yeah i'm i'm on the the air uh-huh yeah. <laughs> you know and it's just <laughs> there needs uh, to be a new term invented and yes. then they uh -huh. say well how do you if they get to the point where they say what do you do and they mm -hmm. i said well basically they they send me uh, stuff to read, and then I, I read it. And then they and pay me, and, and I buy a car with it. it. And, then they, and then everybody goes, what a great job. Yeah. And, you know, it say is. Say something in announcer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Say, announcer. yeah say announcer thing. I used to do tricks. I used to do parley tricks. <laughs> well, in Green Bay, my daughter, uh, who, uh, Rhiannon, who had graduated from the Kansas City Art Institute, went to the Milwaukee Institute for a, a year or two. I went up to visit her, and we went across the street from the hotel to the bar, which was Green Bay Packers and stuff. And so I'm sitting there, and I had, I had done the history of the Green Bay Packers, and I had done the Green Bay Packers Visitor's Center, you know, so my, mm -hmm. my talking like this was all over the place. Mm -hmm. you know, it was, yeah. so, uh, the year was 2000. Yeah, right. <laughs> In the fourth quarter when they, you know. They, so, uh, you know, it's all over the place. And they're, they're actually running it. And Rihanna goes, that's my dad. Oh, cool. And the bar owner looks around and he says, what? <laughs> <laughs> there he is now. Hi, honey. I'm being interviewed right now. <laughs> Oh, so I'll call you back. Okay? He's finally going to be famous. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> was my beautiful wife. Oh, cool. She is cool. lovely. Uh, so at any rate, we, we drank free all night long. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have one more beer, please. Yes. Yeah. Lloyd, let's try to make a, 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 an appointment to go to every sports bar in town with uh, Jim here. <laughs> uh, absolutely. In the evening and see if we can get some free booze going. Yeah, but you might be sorry. It's all loud, and then I have to lean into people's ears and go, <laughs> yeah. when the Chiefs came out in the fourth quarter, there was little, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. The other thing I would do for older ladies uh, would be to... i got to pay attention to this. Yeah. <laughs> When you care enough to send the very best. Oh. There you go. Hallmark. Yes. Oh, you my know, gosh. So Yes. My, my sisters always like that because they yes. would watch, and my mother. And the next question is, do you know where I could sell some Hallmark ornaments? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I got a bunch of them. Those were great gigs. I never got to do one, but I've known several people that did the. Oh, the voices of? The voices I've of I've got a couple hanging on my tree with yeah. her. I think, yeah. Those, of, those paid deal pretty well, didn't they? I don't know. But, I mean, I, I do have a couple of ornaments uh, with familiar voices on them. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I, I didn't get – I never got to do any of those. <laughs> You'd think they'd have had me, but no. Yeah. I was relegated to the Hallmark Hall of Fame. What's and, the strangest uh, thing you ever did? Is there a, really a strange one that you remember? Uh, oh, man. Yeah, there's one that's out there running right now. <laughs> that's mm. If you go on the Internet and uh, Google it, it's, it's, it's the story of Forrest Tucker. Oh, oh really? Yes. Okay. That, Are you is, playing Forrest? Wait a minute. Now, no, does Milton Berle uh, anyway come into this Yeah, they, story? they had a contest. Oh, yeah. I think it was two chores. Uh, I don't know anything about it. In 1994, the movie Forrest Gump captured America's heart and imagination. In 1997, a new documentary about Hollywood's original forest, 
Forrest Tucker will have America in a forest frenzy all over again. Investigative reporters get today's hottest stars to reveal, for the first time ever, one of Hollywood's best-kept secrets about the man best known for his role as the gruff but lovable Sergeant O'Rourke on TV's F Troop. Well, how does it go, Captain? Uh, A secret so big that Tinseltown is still buzzing about it 10 years after Tucker's untimely death. You know, Forrest Tucker was a big flirt. I'm Forrest Tucker. Did you hear the rumor? No, what was the rumor? Um, how do I put this politely? Um, Forrest Tucker was very, um, help me here, help me here. Well built? I'm Forrest Tucker. No, more than that. Well endowed? I'm Forrest Tucker. Forrest Tucker, as everyone in the universe knows, had one of the biggest schmeckies on the face of the earth. <laughs> Watch the video. I'm not going to sit okay. here and talk about right, it. Good. Okay. <laughs> but, but they have all these celebrities. It's mm -hmm. all interviews with celebrities, uh -huh. and, and I'm narrating this this the story of Forrest Tucker. That I'll is be fantastic. Uh, but that was a strange one. I also have the beer pong championship. Which hmm. is out there somewhere. I've, I've seen that a couple. A of recap times. of the season or what? No, uh, it was they. They just did a uh, a whole uh, forty-five minute uh, half-hour show huh. doing a beer pong championship with these characters, kind of uh, based loosely as a kind of a on NFL films. So I'm doing with the music and. Beer ponging, drinking, oh, okay. and doing all that. Well, that's great. Jim, any other stories we're missing out on? Have we covered uh, the Jim Birdsaw uh, story? Well, uh, good I, 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 I like to, uh, you know, I did a lot of theater here, and I, I still miss doing that. What are some of the parts that you enjoyed? You know, I just got off playing Wizard of Oz for theater. League, oh, you so, did? Yes. Out well, of I did, uh, I was in. Uh, but that was it. Ah, that's we've the, now heard my resume. That's it. Okay. Now, how about you? Well, I've just worked at I've worked at uh, at all the theaters. I mean, I've had uh, good luck at, at all of them. I mean, some of my favorite roles. I, What's the last thing you did? The last thing unicorn? I did was uh, Red unicorn? down at the Unicorn. Yeah, uh, where I played uh, Rothko, uh, Mark Rothko, the uh, impressionist painter, and uh, that was a, a two person show, and that was great. It was a great show. It, it got to the point now when I do theater, and I don't do it any longer. Red was the last one. Because I can only offer them evening rehearsals, about mm -hmm. four hours. Sure. Uh, because I'm booked all day long, as a matter of fact. And uh, so I can't get anywhere until then. Now, I've been talking all day long, and then I go into theater, and that's a totally different mm -hmm. uh, push on your voice. It used to just, it just killed me. So I... I end up only doing two character shows or three character shows. I mean, if you're doing a larger show, you need more than four hours rehearsal. Sure, yeah. you, know, you just do. You know, if you're just two, three characters, four hours, you can handle that. That's no problem. And we've got a, a great talent base here in this city. Now, when so you that were Orson, that was... And that was at the Unicorn, that too. That was uh, a heavy one on yeah, you, probably. Orson was great. That was a great show. Of Mice and Men with Gary Neal Johnson years and years ago. That I enjoyed that show. Nicholas Nickleby back in the 80s. That was that mm -hmm. was a great show to do. Uh, Dick Brown was in that, I think, wasn't no, he? No, no, he wasn't. Was he not in Dick that one? and I did the, did the Foreigner together oh, okay. at the dinner theater years ago. Oh, okay. And uh, was... It got to the point where Dick and I literally could not look at each other in one scene. Because if we made eye contact, we both start laughing. So we had, and I was playing the villain in that, uh, that piece. So I was talking like this all the time, you know. I was looking at Dick, and I, couldn't, I just couldn't look at him. You know, I look at him very long. I start laughing, and then everything go down the drain. Because oh, I was this cracker that was just mean and nasty. <laughs> we had a great time together, uh, Dick and I. It was one of the, I, I still consider one of the finest actors uh, that uh, Kansas City's ever produced. Good guy. Yeah, yeah. funny guy. Yeah. Yep. How about Pat with the rep? Pat uh, Rep. What's your memories I, on Pat? Uh, she was the reason that I, uh, I think I exist. I came here from Detroit. I had uh, finished my master's degree at uh, the Hillbury at Wayne State University, which is a conservatory. And uh, uh, Mark Robbins, uh, actor here in the city, and I and uh, Cynthia Dozier and uh, Jeff Beecham. Well, those three people were down here. 
in Kansas City. Uh, Cynthia was working at the at the rep in uh, Hamlet, I believe, in summer of uh, 1979. I got a call from Mark Robbins, who was down visiting Cynthia, which was his girlfriend at the time, and he says, Bertz will get your butt down here and audition for the uh, Missouri Repertory Theater. All their character actors have all uh, left to go to the Cleveland uh, Playhouse. There was an opening for character actors. So I, uh, I uh, flew down there. I borrowed the money to fly down to Kansas City, and I auditioned for Pat McElrath. It was just Pat and I in the theater. The theater had just opened that summer, the, the theater that exists today. And uh, I'm up on the stage, and I did, uh, I think, a piece from Per Gint, uh, uh, Dylan Thomas piece. Um, uh, what was my Shakespeare? Uh, 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 um, Capulet from R&J, and uh, a couple other pieces. And then she asked me to do some other things, if I had anything that I could do. And I had been doing, uh, at, the, at the Hillbury, we would do uh, eight shows in rep. So I'd, I'd been playing bottom. I'd, I'd played dozens of roles. Mm-hmm. So I, I had it all in there. At that time, I could remember things. And, uh, and we finished up, and then we went up to her office, and she says, well, I said, Dr. McElrath, I said, I have a, a wife and a small daughter that's seven months old. I'll move here. I said, I'll work for you, and I'll never come in here to your office again and demand anything. I just need work as an actor. And you know that she said, well, thank you. And that was it. About three weeks later, I got a phone call from Pat McElrath. I was offered Malvolio on Twelfth Night, Tarkington in Look Homeward Angel, The Gravedigger in Hamlet, and those are the three shows. That I was, there was four shows up. Those are the three shows I was going to do in rep. And I came down here, and I never... She cast me in every season after that. Mm-hmm. Every single season. Yeah. I never went in and asked for a role or asked for anything. I held up my end of the bargain, and she did too. And after three or four years, people were just calling me the... I was the core company. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I was always hired. <laughs> and uh, I bless her always because she allowed me to... Uh, to establish myself here in Kansas City and uh, raise a family. And without Pat McElrath, I, don't, I know I would not be here today. Uh, it really is, if I think back, she's the reason for a great deal of my success, not only casting me in numerous and a variety of roles, which allowed me to grow as an actor and as a performer, but also allowing me to establish myself as a human being here in Kansas City and and uh, and it, it was it was a blessing. And after she retired, and I would do shows other places, she always came to those shows, and she was always there because I was one of her boys. Wow, what a great, you know, like, good. Like what a Dick, great person. Dick was one of her boys. You know, yeah. I, I became one of her, yeah, one of her people. Very cool. And uh, it was a blessing to uh, to work with her. And you know, the reason we have theater in this city, the dinner theaters, the Unicorn. The Kansas City Actors Theater, uh, every theater here is a result of their connection to Pat McElrath because every one of the people that started those theaters, that are directing there, that owned them, all came out of That was the epicenter, yes. She uh, created those people. Yes. I just thank her, uh, uh, Pat, for waiting three weeks to call you because if you, you'd said she called you the next day, I was going to get real depressed <laughs> because that's what we've heard so far. <laughs> I love the way she let you twist in the wind. Yeah. For three well, that's yeah. what you do. To a, it's good to do that to an actor. You know? oh, that's We're good. so desperate to please. Yeah. Oh, hire me, please. Oh, Christ, hire me. Hire me. Right. I'll do it. I'll do anything. Jim Birdsall, this has been a great chat. Yes, Jim. You know, well, thank we you. appreciate Wonderful. that. We appreciate Thanks. that and uh, good luck to you and and uh, many more good things coming your way. You bet. Thank All you right. very much. And it's been a pleasure talking with both of you because you're two people that I do admire, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to figure it out, too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so well, much. Well, listen to this, Dick. I've been listening to you on the radio for years and years and years and years. 
Well, 46 years I was on here in town. So I know. Yes, and you're not much older than that. So. Uh, <laughs> and Loy and I just have a kind of good, bad relationship. In fact, the last time Loy and I saw each other, we were, was with Bill. Oh, that's right. And we, that's right. We got lost out in Southern Johnson County because oh, okay. we were a little tipsy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Our good friend. Yeah. The late William. Yeah. Well, gosh. There's always something beverage in your guy's story. Why is that? I don't know. I I blame you, and you can blame me, so I think it works out perfectly. All right. Well, let's go get a beer. All right. All All right. right. Well, there he goes off down the hall again to record another program or commercial. I auditioned the other day for a a client, uh, Jergens Hemorrhoidal Suppositories, but I don't think I I got them. The the job that is. Well, oh, hold it right there. Yes, uh, hello. Hey, Dick, Tony LaBruzzo, second base coach for the Kansas City Royals. Oh, Tony, yeah, how yeah, you doing? Yeah, Dick, I can't lie to you. You know, it hasn't been very good. Well, yeah. We're still having a lot of trouble struggling sure. with uh, yeah. the W category. but uh, Of course, well. Hey, I got some ideas I think might... Uh, Oh. Might help out in, in a way that uh, you and Lloyd can help us out, too. We can help you? Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, <clears throat> we uh, we got a uh, we got a new float that we're going to uh, run through the infield after oh. we win a game. Okay, a float, okay. Uh, we got one of uh, the George Thomas trucks. We kind of built it oh. up as the, the uh-huh. W float. Okay. And uh, we we call it uh, in the chips. We got a what got a lot of uh, winning do? casino chips from all the different casinos piled oh. on there. Okay. And we're gonna sit there mm-hmm. uh, on top of these chips. Gotcha. On this wagon oh. in all the right. uh, Royals championship uniform, waving at the oh. fans so they can okay, you know, applaud and celebrate winning. Well, I kind of get that. How can we yeah, help? Well, you know, there are winners and losers. That's yeah. That's kind of what I wanted to talk to you guys about. All right. We got to acknowledge the losses as well. Oh. Um, so yeah. what I was thinking is we uh, we could dress you and Loy up. Yeah. In some old Kansas City A's uniforms. Uh huh. And uh, bring you out to the infield after a loss. Yeah. And we could throw you both into an ass plunk wood chipper. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, I mean, what? you could only do it once, but think about it. What a great show! <laughs> a wood chipper. Some for the kids. Oh boy! Hey, thanks to Jim Birdsall for spending some time with us today. Jim, do you have any final comments about Dick and Loy's media and marketing mayhem show? So lower your expectations, and please don't try this at home. You might love it, you might hate it. It's my favorite freaking show. 